Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we are back with Ayers on the Road today, midsummer, and we're talking about a topic that is perfect for right now because we are gathering our grandchildren at our place up at Bear Lake this week for a reunion. This is going to be a show on Linda's recent book called Grandmothering. And I love that you called it that, Linda, because it's one thing to be a grandmother, but it's another thing to practice grandmothering. <laughs> that's, a, that's an art. And I've, I've got to say, this woman seated beside me has taken grandmothering to the highest level. <laughs> if you had seen her over these last little while preparing for her Grammy camps that she has with these children every year, you would be astounded as I am at the thoroughness of the preparation. <laughs> well, uh, there's a lot to do and they look forward to it, but we have so much fun. It's really fun and we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Too. But I promised last week on the show that we didn't get to one, there's a little section in, in my poetry book on love poems and I was excited to read one, and then we ran out of time. So this will be a perfect lead-in, Linda. This is my love poem to you, and then you take it away and talk about grandmother. Well, this is going to be embarrassing. You have to make this short. We have a lot to talk about. I'll read about it fast. Today. Okay. This is called Her. She tosses her pretty head and flashes her just for me. You're so exasperating, but I love you. Smile. I thought she was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen when we first met, but somehow she became more beautiful at our wedding and then miraculously more gorgeous, more appealing, a deeper glow as a mother. The apex, I thought, until I saw her face the day she became a grandmother. A beauty completed. <laughs> I loved our love from day one, but love it infinitely more now, nuance, subtlety, a thousand inside jokes. We love as one now, not two. We creak together a little and laugh a lot. I love living with this wondrous woman. We breathe the same air. We synergize to the point of symbiosis. I love waking up with her, this paragon of empathy, guilty as I compare, worthy if I combine. I love growing old with her because order, order, excuse me, because older multiplies time, which makes better, happier. I love being her husband, the most honored of titles. Oh my gosh, that's hard <laughs> for me to listen to. Oh, thank you. That's wonderful. Go well, it led into grandmothering. I, I think uh, if you're listening out there today and you're, you're not a grandparent, please keep listening because what this will do for you, even if you're just a young parent, this will make you relish and look forward to the day when you can be a grandmother. Because unless unless you're a guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk next week on the show about a little tiny book that I wrote called being a proactive grandparent. It's a teeny thing. It's about grandfather, a, being, being a proactive grandfather. See, we started writing, I'm going to shut up and let Linda talk here, but I, this is a, by way of preface. We started out writing a book to grandparents, and then we realized, hey, <laughs> these are two different things. 
grandmothers and grandfathers are not the same. And, it, and, and if you could see these two books, uh, The Grandmothering's a big, thick book that has a million things in it, including recipes. Yeah. <laughs> and The Grandfathering book is this little thing. It's about a fourth of an inch thick because we, we were worried grandfathers might have well, a shorter a attention span. It's a fourth of an inch. It might be half an <laughs> inch. So, Linda, <laughs> I want to say, just to start out, why do you love grandmothering so much? Oh, wow. Holding those little grandbabies is just so amazing. I mean, your own babies, of course. I mean, it, there's, it's different, but it is so fabulous. But I did decide that to do this because I wanted to capture some things for myself. And if it helps anybody else, that's fine. But it is called Grandmothering, The Secrets to Making a Difference While Having the Time of Your Life. And it is the time of your life having these grandchildren. Um, we have 31 right now, twins coming in September, so that'll be 33. But um, some of them are not coming. Their Europeans are not coming. So we'll have up at the lake um, minus three plus one, about 30 uh, grandkids. 30 grand. Now, and, Linda, uh, just a quick question. Doesn't that dilute it? I mean, if you had one grandchild, you could pour all your love into that one little soul. By having 30, doesn't that sort of split it up? And, and do you have enough to go around? I think it's <laughs> funny about love. It just multiplies. It just multiplies and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, I do, as... So my as, observation is you seem to love each one a little more. I don't know how you do it. Uh, you know, as we mentioned last week, um, we were watching Hamilton, and uh, one of the we saw the thing afterwards, and one of the actresses said, "What can I do with this time? I mean, this time I am on Earth just for this little bit of time. What can I do that will make a difference at this time?" And of course, there were a lot of things we did as parents, but there are a lot of things we can do as grandmothers, as grandparents, to really help shape these children's lives not in an offensive way and we have to be very careful that we don't step on toes of of our children who are doing a great job with their kids but it is really interesting that we can leave a legacy with our grandkids can I, can what I just, we, that's one thing you've done so well Linda. when I, I mean linda is a really really involved grandmother but i so often hear you talking to our children to the, the parents of these grandchildren and, and, and learning from them, what does so-and-so need? What are you thinking about so-and-so? What could I do? Or if you have an idea, you always call them and you say, would this work? Would this fit in with what you're doing? And it's that acknowledgement that you're not the steward, the parent is the steward, but that you want to be involved and you want to help. You do that so well. Well, just because I'm thinking so much about Grammy camps, I think we, we're going to start there today because this started a long time ago and our, I, there were quite a few little grandchildren and I was thinking, I want my individual time with them. And for many years we lived with just one family here of our nine children. One family lived close enough to come <coughs> for Sunday dinner. And um, it really was important to me to spend some time in individual little groups with these kids. Well, and I think, I think you wanted, you you told me one time, I when my grandchildren think about me, I want them to know me as more than just a grandma. I want them to know what I love. I want them to know what what's important to me. I want them to know what I have passions about. 
Well, and that's why I decided to do this. I suddenly thought, you know, I don't know if my kids even know that I was a music major <laughs> in college or that I played the violin or that I played the piano a little bit. And I thought, I love music and I adore art. If I had to do it over again, I probably would major in art history. But uh, I love music and art. So the last few years, I have been sending them about a month before grammar camp. Um, I've just gone on to Spotify. You can do it any any app that you have that will do music, uh, iTunes or whatever. But I've made a little list of music, of classical music that I love. And I send it to them this year. There are eight pieces of classical music and five pieces of art. And I send them the art to just online. Isn't it amazing, this wonderful world where I can send this to London and Zurich and Hawaii and New York City? And it is absolutely amazing uh, what you can do because you have this, this great resource. So anyway, I just send them a list of... Um, the things that they need to listen to in the car, wherever they are, and they all have kind of listening things. The little kids have to be uh, shepherded by their parents. But it really is so fun, even down to my little Tootsie. I mean, she's 14 months old, and she came up to me the other day and said, Mona Lisa. <laughs> That's one of our art pieces this week, Mona Lisa. So when we're together, it's gotten to just a few hours. I used to do an overnight with all of them and everything. There's just so many we can. So usually it's just a few hours um, but and an overnight with one of them during the time that we're together up at the lake. And it is so fun to see them. And, and actually it's money for music and, and art. I pay them if they know the name of the artist and if they know the name of the piece and the name of the composition and the composer. And we just have so much fun with those little kids. Now, as the kids have gotten older now, we have nine teenagers, nine high school kids right now. But they are doing it too, and I'm just going to throw them gummy bears. I, you know, it's, it's too expensive <laughs> to do with them. But they, they like doing it. They have fun. It's not a competition. It doesn't matter if they don't know it all or anything. They, we just laugh and play with it and have such a good time. I wish you could see these Grammy camps because they're, they're by age group. So you'll have, you know, three or four kids roughly the same age and their cousins. And part of Linda's goal, I think, has always been to make them feel like, hey, being a cousin that's almost like being a sibling. It's much more than being a friend. And we're trying to bond these kids so that they'll always, they'll always have that closeness to their cousins. And it's only grandparents that can really do that. Yeah. And, and, and it's also, I feel like, my job to have them memorize some things. I, I have a favorite scripture that all of them know. Uh, this year they're memorizing a Shakespeare quote. And they also, there's a little one-sentence thing that my mother said that is just so magnificent that every child is going to memorize because she was a farm girl extraordinaire. Well, and that's the other thing you do so well, honey, is you see yourself as the trunk that links the, the roots and the branches. And so when these grandkids come to Grammy camp, they always get, and you do this all year, not just at Grammy camp, but they get a serious dose of who their great-grandparents were, who their great-great-grandparents were, what those people did, what their sacrifices were, yeah. what their joys were. And it, it's a linkage for these kids. And this year, we've been doing a lot. This year, we're just concentrating on one with each group because, you know, so many names they can't do. They knew the, uh, the order last year, but this year, they've probably forgotten by now. But 
Uh, this year, one group is doing My Mother, and they're each doing a story from My Mother's Life. And then... That's going to be great. We are going to make costumes out of uh, plastic tablecloths. I am not a crafty person, but somebody <laughs> gave me this idea. And we're going to make uh, plastic tablecloth costumes with cowboy hats and all this fun stuff. The moms are going to come and help the kids create this with tape and plastic things. And then they're going to tell their story. And it really is going to be so much fun. Um, it, you know, different kids can do different things. But I do think it's so important to plant a love for our own parents and our grandparents people that we knew and they will never know because they're gone in the hearts of these beautiful children so we have so much fun at grandma camp well we it's there it's their link to history and it, it, it gives them resilience it gives them strength it gives them power but linda a lot of grandmothers listening and people that are anticipating grandparenthood are saying yeah well i, I can see that intense time at Grammy camps, but what do you do in the normal, you know, day to day? How do you stay close enough to them that they really trust you? So, you know, because of all of our children live so far away, I do think it's important at least once a year. And some of you have kids that live on the cul-de-sac with you, which is so great. But once a year to have a private little Grammy date with each of the kids. And I'm trying to do that now. And it just it doesn't take a long time, but I learned so much from these kids. Usually take them to lunch or somewhere where you can talk. Yeah, just take them lunch. Talk. When we're in Hawaii, we take a walk downtown, and and then we well we well we have lunch. I have questions for them, and one of the funny ones I remember was at Camden when he was eleven. Uh, I said, "What do you like best about your mom?" And he said, "Oh, she's so good at talking. She really good at talking." <laughs> and then I said, "Well, what do you like least about your mom?" He said, "Same thing." <laughs> She's so talking, talking to everybody all the time. You know, another thing you do so. Well, Linda writes down. The, I mean, you gotta, you gotta record the things grandkids say at different ages because they're so entertaining and and it's so insightful what they will say to you. And they'll say things to you as a grandmother they may not say to their own mom. Yeah, absolutely. I took a little ten-year-old poem uh, recently and had the most fun. And we will actually, I'll tell you the. the result of that after this break. Take a little break and we'll be back. I'm going to ask Linda some of the questions I bet you listeners want to know about the ultimate grandmother. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking today about grandmothering. Linda's book by that name, it's a, it's a marvelous book. I'll tell you, it makes me almost want to be a grandmother. You ought to read the chapter. Well, I just, I ended, um, just before we left, I was going to tell you about my little Grammy day with our little, my little Poe, who was uh, 11. And I asked her what she liked about her dad, or what, you know, what she thought about her dad. And she says, oh, I love my dad. But you know what, there's so many kids, I feel like he gets lost in the, in the crowd sometimes and so I think he needs a little more attention so I'm going to give him a little more attention I thought oh that is so sweet that she thinks that it, things come out that you just can't expect but Linda you're, you're not going to have time to get through all of it but I want people to just know the you know Grammy camps that you talked about in the first half of the show is just one chapter and then the chapters are one one on one adventures 
which you've alluded to, being one-on-one -on -one with them, the importance of a strong family culture, and the in-laws and so on. Well, the family culture is really just about telling ancestor stories because it's so uh, enriching to their lives. I mean, we've talked about this before, but if they know that they have strong ancestry that is in their blood, it makes it gives them a lot of confidence and resilience when they have hard experiences. But come back to some of these, but I just want people to hear the chapters. Chapter 5, adding in-laws and babies. Chapter 6, when things go wrong. There's a lot in that section. Chapter 7, the secret ingredient that gives your grandchildren grit. And that's about these ancestors. Chapter 8, what about you? What about you as a grandma? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you writing your own story? Chapter 9, the entitlement problem. Chapter 10, times to remember and the joy of reunions. So pick up on some of those. Well, I think adding in-laws is really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting because you're bringing another culture into your family. Right, right. And, you know, gosh, it's really annoying that the other side of the family wants <laughs> to have our children with them as much as we have them with us. Um, so learning to share that time and especially learning to love those in-law parents. We have grown to love them so much. That's so important, isn't it? It's important to the grandkids that they see, hey, they've got four grandparents. Maybe they're lucky enough to have all of them still alive. Do they see them as totally separate or do they see those two sets of grandparents bonding with each other? Right. Boy, that's we've been so lucky. We, we call each other co-grandparents. Yeah, we do. And, and Better word than in-laws. We try to keep in touch with them once in a while. I mean, one family um, lived far, far away, Switzerland. Um, they're not members of our church, but they're wonderful, faithful people. And uh, there, But there's a great connection there with them. And there are there's another uh, set of grandparents. We were just with one set. We just love them. We were just with them. And we have another one who are serial missionaries. We call them serial missionaries yeah. because they, just, <laughs> they have been on about five missions um, for the church and so on. It really is so fun to really suck in the culture of, of the in-laws. And sometimes it's not as happy as you think. But um, I want to talk for just a minute. Oh, I do have to say that we have a fun thing called Pile. Our oldest, our first daughter-in-law organized <laughs> all of our in-law children. And while we meet with our children at the reunion for just on, uh, uh, I don't know, we talk about uh, just Irish stuff. They go down to the hot tub and they all sit in the hot tub and talk about how weird we are. I mean, <laughs> Pile stands basically. for present in-laws of IRL. Present in-laws of IRL. <laughs> There's a good, healthy uh, mix there of love and what in the world are you thinking? Anyway. Um, it really is fun that they are doing that and it's an open part of our family. But I do want to talk for just a minute about when things go wrong because I think we're making this sound like everything is just hunky-dory yeah, and really wonderful. And, and sometimes when grandparents are the most needed, especially grandmothers, is when there are problems. Right, and there's always problems with ch with grandchildren. You know, there are always things in how much do you say and how do you help parents without being overbearing and so on. I think is a really important thing. Um, worry is another thing that we spend a lot of time doing as a as a grandmother, and the whole thing of but if not. I mean, we have these things in our minds where we want our children and grandchildren to be a certain way or things to happen a certain way, 
But I think there's a great story in the Old Testament about Daniel and the lion's den, and he said, you know, I'm just, I'm going to go there in the lion's den, and I think the Lord's going to save me, but if not, I'm ready to go. And I think, but if not, is a really good term for us as grandparents, because we can't control anything, really. And we have to be ready for the but if not. Do you, do you think, Linda, because I watch you with these grandkids and they're so bonded to you and they, they look at you with such love and such trust. Uh, this is kind of a delicate question, but I think it's an important one. Do you think that they sometimes share things with you that they might not feel comfortable sharing with their parents? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I think it's just little things. I don't think it's big secrets or anything, but that sweet little poem who, speaking of poem, poetry, poem, yeah. um, she goes by Poe, saying that she thinks her dad needs a little more attention and love, you know, because he he's kind of feeling left out. I mean, those kind of things are so sweet, but it's not anything that, you know, somebody else doesn't know. And I do think that... Um, there are a few little things that kids have told me that I probably wouldn't share with their parents. <laughs> Actually, no, I would. I would well, tell them. Well, I don't. Anything. I mean, you know what? What I'm what I'm thinking of is when I, I I can kind of have a little social distance here, and I watch you when you're with these grandkids, and I think part of it, and this would probably apply to almost any grandparent if you if you make it happen this way, they they totally trust you, and they know you're not judging them. They know that you love them. They, I, I would say if you could somehow get in, in their minds, Linda, they, they somehow know that they could never do anything that would diminish your love one iota. They feel it so strongly, and it gives them a kind of a comfort and a kind of security. And I think that's the gift of being a grandparent, a grandmother or a grandfather, is you don't have to do the discipline. You don't have to get in there with the hard things that... Uh, maybe have to be enforced in the home or or whatever you can just be a loving consultant and that that's such a blessing to have that opportunity it truly is i mean there i have heard some horror stories of grandparents who try to take over everything and try to um manage what's going on when and tell the kids what they're doing yeah. wrong in and their parenting them, yeah. Yeah, and that just never works, does it? Um, the only thing, I mean, sometimes my kids are saying, well, can you, why don't you tell me what I'm doing wrong? Just tell me how I can do this. And I said, honey, you are doing a great job. You're doing the very best you can. And, you know, once in a while you give them a suggestion. and If they ask for it. Because they've asked for right. it, yeah. Right. Because they've asked for it. But I think the thing they need more than anything is just encouragement and letting them feel your faith in them as a parent. How do you, when you are uh, some distance away from grandkids, how, how do you stay in touch with them? Is it social media? Is it texting? Is it phone calls? Is it, how do you do it? All of the above. And, you know, now most, many of those teenagers have phones now. Not all of them, but many of them do. And they all have email and the one that does they not don't have pay a phone any attention yet, to email though do well, they? but the one that they does text. not have the phone i oh, i, I oh, texted i, I oh. emailed him something to him last week and he immediately answered me back and i was surprised that he was there and then we have another granddaughter who is a little bit um not socially awkward but she just 
is kind of in herself. And um, her mother said, she just sits by her phone and waits for a text from you. I said, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well then we'll just go for it, you know, because there are so many wonderful ways to communicate with kids now that's not just verbal. It's in writing and um, online. You can share things online. I just texted something about the cosmos to McKay last week because he's so into that right now. And he um, wrote back immediately and said, oh, thanks, I really like this, you know. It really is interesting if we just turn our attention to them. It's so easy to just, life doesn't stop when you become a grandparent, you know. You still have a lot to manage, a lot to do. But if we really focus on what do these grandchildren need and what does this one grandchild need, I think it's really helpful. And, and we love having an occasional time where we'll take our child and uh, the, the spouse to dinner and we'll just essentially say, tell us more about your kids. We want to be proactive grandparents, but we need to know what's going on. And we'll go through the, ki the kids one at a time and have them tell us what are they doing well, what are you worried about with them, what are the struggles they're having, what are their gifts, what are their aptitudes. It's kind of like a wonderful personnel meeting. It's like we're brainstorming, we're focusing in on this child, and we know the parents know intimately, they know so much more about that child than we do, and the more we can extract from them, the more questions we can ask, the more we can find out what motivates this child? What what are the things that, uh, how does he do in school and which subjects are his favorites and so on? And the more you know, the, the better you can be as a backup, as a support mechanism, as someone that's trying to help as a consultant and so on. And then I notice something you do often, Linda, you, it's all about favorites. What is your favorite subject in school? What's your Who's your best friend? What are the things that you like most? And kids love to be asked that by their grandparents. Yeah, actually, when we get together at Grammy Camp uh, with the older kids, the teenagers, and then we're, we have now a group of married kids. We have two that are married and one that's um, going to be married soon. And uh, I'm going to perform the marriage. Kids. Well, that's another so story. Our dinner that we have with them. Um, is going to be all about questions. I just ask them, the teenagers, we do this too. Okay, think of your best question for somebody that's sitting at this table. What for another cousin question? or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. For somebody that's sitting at this table, I you see. know, right, when, right, when right, we're right. having dinner with them. Right. What is your best question? Because that's what really brings out the comments. And maybe it's just not directed at one person, but your best question for the group. And it really creates a great conversation. So it's not awkward. It's not just talking about their favorite song or whatever. It's it's really talking about them and the world and what they think. And that's that's what you want out of these older kids. Yeah, you sure do. I mean, the deeper you can get, it's um, the more you know, the better consultant you can be and the better questions you can ask them. And I love what you just said, Linda. I mean. We, we sort of tend to interrogate, I do, when I'm with grandkids, I, I'm just like I'm asking them so many questions. And it would, what a great thing, I've got to learn from you and say, okay, I'm done with my questions. What are the three best questions you can think of to ask me? So that you're trying to get that two-way interest going. Yeah, and it's, sometimes it's hard, but they have time to think because it's a big group. 
and, uh, and, and as they get older, of course, it's easier for them because they're more mature. We've only got one minute. Linda, what's your final advice to grandmothers and people who will one day be grandmothers? Well, just be sure you take care of yourself. I, I don't love exercise, but I do. I have, I have just had a knee replacement. You know, we get older and creaky and things happen, and I've taken better care of myself than I have in my whole life because I've had to, to take care of this knee. But I do think it's so important that we feed our own souls, read something wonderful every day, and try to get some exercise and take care of your body but and your mind as well. It really is the most important thing. That is a do. great note to end on. It's not being a great grandparent is not about changing your grandkids, it's about changing yourself. So good luck with that. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll see you again next time. Next time it's on grandfathering. Tune in. See you next week.